Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 74th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out the head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. Refreshed and recharged after a week off from Carolina as they had their mini bye week during the ACC slate. We're going to get you ready for tomorrow night's matchup against Georgia Tech. Break down the Yellow Jackets, update you on some stats for Carolina. Look back at the first meeting with the Jackets, give our keys to the game, Pick the game and all that great stuff. But as we start every preview edition of the podcast, we have our pod thought of the day. And this was circling around on Carolina basketball social media, as you saw it on their Twitter, their Facebook, and their Instagrams. If, if, if you're on the social medias and you follow the Carolina basketball account, you are sure to have seen this. And they made a post out of it with pictures describing the, the quote from the legendary coach Dean Smith saying that uh, pointing at the player – who made the pass shows appreciation for an unselfish act that helps the team. And uh, I'm going to take the opportunity to liberate on that for just a second because my co-host decided to bring up the other day in a production meeting, nothing very appreciative of the work that he's done. So I want to make it clear to him in front of the audience that the work that you have put in It is not gone unnoticed. We have had record-setting numbers this year. We have done a lot of hard work. We've accomplished some big-time things. And as much as that success is a direct result of me, it wouldn't be as fun doing it. It wouldn't be possible if you weren't here alongside with me. You make my job easier You make my job a lot more fun. Outside of all the laps, we still have to take because you cannot watch your mouth. Which are not going to happen. Oh, oh, it's happening. But I do want you to know, you, I do thank you because it's not easy. There are are a lot of nights where I ask you late at night, hey, I want to record and it's, you know, it's 830 at night, you're ready to go to bed. There are some nights I ask you. I I ask you early, early in the morning at at twelve o'clock on a Saturday. Hey man, you ready to record? And you're like, and then you do it, and you do a great job, 
What? Wait a second. When is that occurring? I don't know. I, I, I you I, made that one up. I had to lie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm having a lot of fun though. This team hasn't made me have as much fun as I wanted to have, but I am having That's, a lot of that, fun. That, like many of the standards that you set for the for for your teams, is very hard to accomplish. Look, it was so funny because when we were watching when we were watching the Virginia game, but talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a comment right before the game tipped off that they got to meet my standard. And you just quickly chirped back, oh, that'll never happen. And you're right. I've watched this team win two national championships. Yeah, the other day was still a disappointment to you. Somebody. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this team's still got a long way to go. They- see, see, look, this is where if there are people that tune in and tune out, that this this is probably where they tune mm. out. The pod thought of the day? That's usually my favorite no, segment no, of the no, show. No, no, no. Not the actual thought. Your unrealistic expectations. Oh. Well, that's just who I am. I mean, your 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 standards are extremely high. Yes. You need you need to you need to bring them down. You need to expand your horizons a little bit with your standards. Very similar to what you need to do with on them. the dating website. Hey, look. You know, you need to broaden the horizons. Don't have such a narrow outlook on things. I have because every if you dating do, app on my phone. You won't How have much fun. more can you expand the horizon? I've got the Tinders. i got the Bumbles. I've done the Hinge. I've got Facebook dating. How, how much more? Yeah, you're desperate. Yeah. That was also just a nice way to show people how desperate you no, are. I, dude. <laughs> that opened that one up really, am, really I am, nicely. I am extremely desperate to have a girlfriend. There, I would sacrifice you being my podcast host to have a girlfriend. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, Let's let's just stop that right there because now we're just getting into blasphemy here. <laughs> but I really do appreciate it. It has been uh, a lot of fun, Not not only just doing this podcast, but doing when it was the Roy's Boys podcast and everything like that. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's been it's it's been a fun year. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something. It's It's been a little bit trickier this year, just like this edition of the podcast. This was something that we were hoping we could do <laughs> yesterday. But, you know, with, with the work schedule, you know, things have to get moved around. I mean, it's just so, you know, it's, it, it's just – it takes – some flexibility and everything like that but you know we hope that we're putting out a a good product for you guys even though we're you know having to work you know crazy times and all this this stuff and honestly I mean there's definitely times where we probably come on here and we're a little low energy and we're saying to ourselves man we need to pick it up or whatever Uh, but we appreciate you guys hanging hanging through with us uh, you know through this season and hey we're only halfway done and the best part is is hey (laughs) Football season, both the college and the local NFL season is behind us. So expect some more energy down yeah. the stretch here, just a little bit. Carolina back on the court tomorrow night. Georgia Tech coming into the Smith Center. Carolina brings with them an 11-4 and record. They sit at 3-1 and in the ACC. Georgia Tech 7-8, and 1-4 and in mm. league play. The Jackets are just 2-6. and six. Since our first meeting back in that first weekend in December, and it really, it, it it makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. They've 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 had to juggle the COVID bug, just like every every team in college basketball has been affected by COVID within the last month. Michael Devoe still playing at a really high level, leads his team in scoring at over twenty points per game, leads his team in assists. 
at over three assists per game. Jordan Usher, averaging over 14 points per game, leads the team with over seven rebounds per game. Those are only two players on in double-figure scoring for the Jackets. And as I put in the article, losing Jose Alvarado and losing Moses Wright, at the beginning of the year, they were doing a really good job coping with those losses, really just the leadership they brought to, that, to, to their team last year, which, of course, we all know won the ACC tournament and was an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. But we've seen it in this recent stretch. You look back at the situation they had at Duke, even though it was kind of maybe blown out of proportion, but that was just a moment where they lacked leadership from the players on their court, from their head coach, and they've really struggled. But this is a team that is still going to give Carolina fits, like they did in the first matchup a little over a month ago. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. But, look, Carolina – they're coming off maybe their best performance of the season where they just throttled Virginia. That game was as, as much as a 29-point margin. Armando Baycott, as good a performance as we've seen since Bryce Johnson's 39-23 and 23 at Florida State back in 2016. And look, Carolina, at, at, at the jump when they when the game ended and we knew they had a week off, I was like, man, they don't need a week off. But in hindsight... It allowed them to, you would imagine you're going to have Dawson Garcia available. You're going to have Kerwin Walton back out of health and safety protocols. They returned to class this week. It was the first week of the spring semester, so they were able to really kind of ease back into that. But there's still just a lot of uncertainty about this team because they've played really, really high, like we saw against Virginia, and they've played really, really, really low just a week and a half ago at Notre Dame. So, Carolina's about to start a stretch where it's all ACC games the rest of the way. They've got five games in 11 days coming up a little bit later in the month. Um, But there's still just a lot of uncertainty around this team because we've seen this team play up and down like we've seen the last couple years. So one note that I did see today, yes, you will have Dawson Garcia, you will have Kerwin Walton. That was confirmed today in his press conference by Hubert Davis. So... Carolina is going to be at full strength. I mean, look, there's as of this moment, there's always a chance that somebody ends up testing into protocols, whatever. That's something you're just going to have to deal with going forward. But we expect this to be a full strength team, and you those guys could potentially have some rust. We'll have to wait and see on that. You would expect, I think, definitely for – Garcia, who's been out a little bit longer, that's that's a big fear with him. So we'll, we'll see what exactly he's able to bring. But they kind of need him back out there because even, you know, you've seen the success of Armando Baycott, and that could be part of the reason why Brady Manick has dipped below that mark that we talked about him reaching at Carolina, which was showing improvement from his Oklahoma days. He's now averaging 5.8 rebounds per game. So you're starting to see him sort of disappear a little bit on the glass. You need Dawson Garcia to come back and be that guy that can give you, um, you know, he'll be in a starter role, maybe. We we don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what role he's looking at, but he will play bench minutes. You need him in those bench minutes to come off and and give you some rebounding. Um, You know, in terms of the layoff, we've seen Carolina with a couple layoffs this season. And they've looked really good both times that they've had significant layoffs this year. So, in the past, 
especially the last couple of years, any layoff, you were like, yeah, we don't need that. This team needs to build momentum. They're not a team that can that that can build it, you know, just game by game with long breaks in between. This team, I think, can do a little bit of a better job of that. So I I feel pretty confident in in that aspect. The one thing about Georgia Tech, though, that is really interesting with them is you said two and six since they last played Carolina. Well, in those games, they've lost to. At the time, number 25, LSU. Mm. That team has made a significant climb. Will Wade just continues to win there. Not sure if there's a bag man or not at this point. Oh, they're, they're, de- <laughs> they're definitely is. Now it's legal, though. Yeah. So now everything's out in the open. He's just going to continue to prove that even we, we knew even before we found that out about him, heck of a basketball coach. They lose to a team that is still – very good. They suffered a loss last night, I believe, you or or two nights ago. I think it was last night though. USC, they mm-hmm. went down. They were undefeated before that loss. They have they also have a loss to Duke as you mentioned on there. And then their two losses at home are to two of the teams that we kind of put in that second tier of the ACC that we think right now playing pretty good basketball. Notre Dame, look, that's not a loss that you're going to look back on as a Carolina fan and quantify as a quote-unquote good loss, that's still a game you should have won. But that's a team that I think is much better than we probably realized. Mike Bray's coaching is starting to show up with that team again. And then with Louisville, that was the other team they faced. That's another team, kind of middle of the road. They're tough to figure out. But my point is, out of all those losses, how many of those are bad losses? I don't think there's one that's quote-unquote, a bad loss. So they played a really tough schedule. This is still a really good team that has two guys that can score the basketball. And the first time that we saw them, they had a pretty good first half. Can they do that again in this one? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Look, this is a this is a team that they know that they're – their season hangs in the balance. If, if they want any hope at making an NCAA tournament run already up with eight losses – you know they got to string multiple wins together in a big way, and Carolina will get will be a good chance for them to do that tomorrow night. The, the Tar Heels still got five players averaging double figure scoring, led by Armando Baycott, who's over 16 points per game, over 11 rebounds per game, so he's back averaging a double double. Carolina ranks sixth in the country in three point percentage at shooting roughly over 40 percent. From behind the three-point line, a nugget about the matchup with the Yellow Jackets back in Chapel Hill. Carolina is seventy and twenty-seven all-time against Georgia Tech. They are thirty and six in Chapel Hill and twenty-five and five in the Smith Center. Coincidentally enough, the last time Georgia Tech won in Chapel Hill, we were in attendance for that, and it was a game oh. where Carolina started the game down thirty to six, came all the way back. Made it a nine-point game in that second half. Ultimately, Carolina got beat 96-283. Let's take a look back at that first meeting. Remember, Carolina coming off the win over Michigan at home. How do you handle that success on the road at a place where Atlanta's been tricky for Carolina ever since they became an official member of the Atlantic Coast Conference? And you mentioned that stretch in the first half. Georgia Tech blitzed them with a 19-2 run at one point. Took a double-digit lead. Carolina came back, 
got the game tied at halftime and ultimately won by 17. R.J. Davis led the way that day with 23 points. Caleb Love added 17, and and Armando Baycott registered a double-double. Carolina shot 56% from the field, 58% from behind the three-point line. But that was a game where their defense really dictated that game. They held Michael DeVoe, who at the time entered that game, the nation's leading scorer and the leading three-point shooter, to just 15 points on 6 of 13 shooting. And that was really the what really stood out in that game was Carolina went on the road. They handled a big run like they did at the College of Charleston and won. They turned the ball over 14 times, with it, but they made up for it with how well they shot the ball. But it was about their defense, and that was coming off a stretch where Carolina had held they, – they would hold opponents in seven straight games to 65 points or fewer, and we thought they had turned the corner defensively. And then it would be three weeks later, you have Kentucky and Las Vegas, and everything broke down. And then three weeks after that, you go to Notre Dame on a Wednesday night, and things broke down again, and you're back to square one where you got to play better defense individually and then team collectively. You had three days in between that Notre Dame-Virginia game. And look, Virginia's offense has never been great, but it never has had to been the way that they defend. But in the game against Virginia, Carolina might have played their best defense they've played all season long. They were active. They were intense. Their hands were moving. Their feet were moving. They were talking. And they held them to 58 points in, in, in a game that wasn't even as close as the final score dictates. So I do think drawing back on that past success against this same team is the first time we've seen Hubert Davis face a team for the second time. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the adjustments that Georgia Tech has made because both teams are different than those teams that we saw early in December. And, and that's why a lot of us, including myself, we hate those early ACC games because you're not yet close to a finished product. And, they're, and neither of these teams are a finished product when they're going to meet tomorrow night. But there's a lot of growth that you'd like to usually see before you see each other in conference play. So that's been interesting to see as well because Georgia Tech's trended downward. Carolina, I do think, has improved significantly since we saw them on the court in Atlanta six weeks ago. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to give our keys to the game and pick the game before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking off things with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get a 56-1 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game, bet just $5, and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cast prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy co- Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcast Network and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all of these great offers I've been giving you on the on the four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the heel tough blog side of things. Let's dive. Excuse me, back into the matchup against Georgia Tech with our keys to the game, and the very first key I have is is where it starts every night for Carolina, but especially against a guy like Michael DeVoe, is Carolina's got to play really good defense. And I do think that if you can take him away as much as you can, look, he's going to get his points in, in some form or fashion. He's going to score double digits more likely than not. But it's how you make him get him. And, and look, Leaky Black in their first matchup took him out of the game essentially in that second half. He was a, he was a sensational individual defender. And that's going to be the key for Carolina in this game is make the other guys beat you, make Jordan Usher beat you, like he did last year in Atlanta. Because if that guy beats you, you're going to live with that more than Michael DeVoe coming in into your building and having a great night. The biggest thing I want to see carry over from this week off is what, what Carolina looks like defensively. Are they engaged again? Or have they had a week off and they're resting on their laurels and they're not going to come with that same effort, that same attitude, that same toughness as head coaches talked about all season long? Because the thing about this team is they've got all the talent in the world to be a really good defensive team. But as defense always comes down to, it comes down to their effort. When they try to play defense, they play defense pretty well. Mm -hmm. Good enough for this team to be the type of team they're capable of being. But when they don't give any effort, like in the games against the Tennessees and the Kentuckys and the Notre Dames. Well, they're not a good de- they're, they're not a good defense and they're not good enough to still win games at a high level and not be a good defensive team. You have to imagine all week long in practice, in shoot around, in meetings getting ready for this game, they're still drilling Carolina to be a much more consistent team because he challenged in the beginning of the year, which is only 15 days old to do for 30 straight days. Well, the fifth day of the year, they had a they had a lap. So you're having to start back at that. Now you're a week and a half into that. If they could come out and be more and put together another great defensive effort, we'll be back thinking this team can be a really good defensive team once again. I mean, and there's but the problem is there's nothing telling you that that's going to be the team that shows problem up. Problem is because. We've seen so often this year that when we think we know what team is going to show up, they don't show up. So, yeah, this is a look. This is an opponent that you've seen before that you brought the effort against, especially in that second half, and you were able to shut down. And in order for this Georgia Tech team to win, they have to score the basketball. That's mm-hmm. been proven so far this year. Well, you got to score to win. So, well, but what I'm saying is, you know what I'm saying. This is not a team that, like Virginia, is going to take the air out of the basketball, limit possessions, and find a way to win. They have high. They have two high volume scorers, and when they're at their best, that's when this team is winning games. As you mentioned, you know, the first time around, yeah, Devoe had a solid night. He was one of five from three. So you took you you took him away from the outside, and Jordan Usher was all right, but he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. You held that team to six of sixteen from the outside. That was one of the things that last year against them really hurt you was their outside shooting, their ability to drive the basket. You did a much better job against that this year, but yeah, like you said, what type of adjustments are they going to make? You know, I'm. 
I know that's not the way that Virginia plays, but how many teams are going to try to replicate what Notre Dame did to you? Yep. Where they screened you and screened you and screened you, and all you did was switch, switch, switch. That can't happen. We know that can't happen again. I don't care how many screens they throw at you. You can occasionally switch. Your goal should be go under the screen, stick with your man. Because if somebody comes out with that game plan again, you're most likely going to get beat. And you would ju- and and you do the same thing you did, you're going to get beat. That's that's the that that is one of the concerns that I have for this game. But I feel like this is there, there shouldn't be a question of effort in this game. There should not be a, a thing of well, maybe they're tired. Well, this team had a week off. <laughs> There should not be a question of, well, they don't have the depth. This is going to be as full strength as they've been in almost a month. Yep. So there's no excuses, and you've shown that you can be that consistent team. We're not even looking for you to be exactly what you were against Virginia. We know that's an extremely high standard that every time you take the floor, you are not going to live up to. But there has to be a better middle ground between what we saw against Virginia and Boston College and what we've seen against Kentucky and Notre Dame. If they can find that, and maybe this game is that, then they'll have enough to be able to win the game and win it comfortably as they should. Yeah, my second key to the game was a key that was probably back in there for the first matchup, and it was a thing at Notre Dame, which was playing rhythm on offense. And the biggest reason why I'm saying that is I think this team has done a much better job than you would believe that as well as they shoot the three-point shot, that's not the focal point of their offense. They still, even though they're spreading the ball out on the perimeter, they're still putting the ball inside and playing through their best player, who is Armando Baycott. But... With, with Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner, you're going to see a lot of things that I wish we would do, which was you're going to see multiple defenses in different and multiple possessions. They're going to change their defense within the same possession. They will they will drift from a man to man to a zone to you know and into a trap or whatever out of a ball screen or something like that. And Carolina didn't handle that as well. At Notre Dame, as they did against Georgia, uh, as as they did against Georgia Tech, the first matchup, and as well as they did against Virginia a week ago, I thought the biggest key, which opened up that game for Carolina, was the way they handled the the double team in the post, because George, because Virginia always double teams opposite of the side of the ball. They handled that very beautifully. Well, teams are still going to try to take that away from you see how you handle that. And you saw against Georgia Tech in that first half in the first matchup, their defense affected Carolina. Now, look, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, they settled down. They had big games that Carolina was able to go on and win. But that was really the last time you could say that those two guys played well the exact same game. Ever since then, it's been one or the other. Well, to get the best version of Carolina, you have to have Armando Baycott playing at a high level. you got to have Caleb Love engaged playing at a high level. But when R.J. Davis is right there with those two guys and he's being a, 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 a playmaker and a difference maker on the court, this team is at a whole different level. 
I want to see them play in the rhythm of the offense that Georgia Tech will dictate. Georgia Tech will slow the game down at certain points. They're going to do some things that you've got to adapt to. And this is a great learning test for Hubert Davis because this is the second time he's seeing this opponent. And really since, the, uh, especially coming off that Notre Dame game where Mike Bray outcoached you. And look, that's not a slight at Hubert Davis. Mike Bray has outcoached Roy Williams. He's outcoached Coach K. John Calipari, he's outcoached some of the great coaches in the game. So the, the challenge for Hubert Davis is adjusting to that moving forward. He adjusted to Virginia, and you got a great result. But you brought up a great point. That tape against Notre Dame is out there. Every team has seen that. The thing about it is they don't have the personnel that Notre Dame has to make it easier to do all of that. But they're still going to screen Carolina and see how you adapt. If Carolina plays within the rhythm of their offense— there's no reason why they shouldn't score 75 points. And if they get to 75 points, they're going to win most nights. The bar that we set at the beginning of the year was 80. 80 isn't as – it's not coming as frequent as we thought it was going to be. You're still hovering around the mid to high 70s. You get to 75, you're going to win the ball game. But you can only do that if you play within the rhythm that the offense is, is in and not take and force bad shots like you did at Notre Dame and, 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 and end up getting you beat. Yeah, I mean, and it was evident from the start. It was evident from the the start of the game in that first half. I told you multiple times, that's a bad shot. Why are they doing that? This is the first time we've really seen that. So, yeah, this is going to be a team that's going to throw that at you. We saw that in the first matchup, and they'll probably throw even more of it at you, the multiple defenses in the same possession, because it it worked for Notre Dame, so why can't we do it? And you know it's a bad shot if you're saying it's a bad shot because you don't think what I qualify a bad shot is a bad shot. You think that a wide-open shot from two feet is a bad shot. Depends on how many times you move the ball. Um, But, you know, I, I think staying within the rhythm of the offense is definitely important. I would Another thing that I think you can sort of extend off of that is what we saw in the first game. You have to shoot the ball well from the perimeter, particularly with your guards. Because if you don't, it's to me it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be hard to win this game, but th- there were some really tough shots that Caleb Love and R.J. Davis made in, those, in, in that first matchup. I don't know if it's going to be the exact same game, because I think... Just from looking at Armando Baycott's numbers in that game, 15 and 13, I think he can improve upon that in this game because he's playing better now than he was then. But I still think you are going to need your perimeter shooters to have a good night. And that means Caleb Love, R.J. Davis. This this feels like one of those games after – the game against Virginia where R.J. was was quiet, where he will, you know, step back up, get back into rhythm, because this has kind of been R.J. all season. Good game, bad game, good game, bad game. But this is, an, this is a game where you really need Brady Manick to get himself back into a rhythm from deep, because it's been a while since we've, or at least from my perspective, since I've watched him play a game and said to myself, I feel confident with him shooting the three ball. Well, it, That's kind of disappeared, and that was part of what he was brought here for. The, the thing about him, though, is that I get more disappointed in his shot selection other than, like, 
everything still looks good. It's still, it just isn't falling. Like, and I don't think he, and the, and the most important thing is he hasn't lost the confidence. The problem that I've had with him, and you know, you'll joke about it and say whatever, is that there are times that he takes shots that are bad shots, where he's forcing the issue from behind the three-point line, where you don't need to. And he's shown the ability to score the ball in a multitude of different ways, where it's just, like, we, we run the impression that when he transferred in, he's a perimeter shooter. Because we, I mean, look, I I watched him play, but I didn't I didn't watch him watch him. I didn't know we had the back to the basket game that he has, mm-hmm. the face up game at the mid range game that he has. Heck, the ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. I didn't know all of that. I thought he was a three point shooter because that's what he was being lauded for when he was being recruited as a transfer. The thing about Love and Davis making tough shots is that's that's what separates you from being a good guard and a great guard because they can get and especially Caleb. Caleb can get about whatever shot he wants. He's the only player on the court outside of Armando Baycott that can get whatever shot he wants. But the the difference, and it was the same case last year. He could still get whatever he wanted at times last year. He couldn't make the shots. And this year, and you go back to that Virginia game, he made four shots. That those were those were NBA shots. That's where mm-hmm. you've got isolated. The shot clock's under ten seconds. You got to make a play, and by God, he made a play. And look, everything looks better when the ball going in the basket. But that's just that's just the nature. And so they're going to have to make tough shots, and that's going to be the rest of the way of the season. Because and that's why that's been the biggest downfall of this for this team the last couple of years. It wasn't they weren't getting good looks. It was that they couldn't make good looks, and they couldn't make the tough shots that. Marcus Page, Joel Berry, Kobe White, Cam Johnson. When Carolina's been a really good offensive team, those guys were making tough shots. And and that's something you know we'll have to look at the rest of the year. The last key to the game for me is Carolina's you're you're back fully healthy and you've got to get those guys reengaged because you could look at that Notre Dame game and and you can just say and I talked about this with Kiara Luck in the previous episode. Not having done in Styles play in the non-conference season, now you see why I complained about it because them not being ready in that for that moment cost them. Had they played spare more minutes throughout the non-conference season, they probably make the few plays that we needed them to make that night, and Carolina probably comes out of there with the win. You've got Garcia back. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see if he starts or comes off the bench because I, I I do think once healthy. He still needs to start. Bringing Brady Manick off the bench, there is more value in him coming off the bench and doing what he does as opposed to starting because we haven't seen Dawson Garcia produce off the bench except for one game. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that 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 data to say, hey, we can bring him off the bench and still get production. Kerwin Walton, before he entered health and safety protocols, was getting back to the Kerwin Walton that we thought we were going to see entering the year. The rhythm was there. The confidence was back in his shot to take shots. You talk about needing perimeter offense, mm-hmm. you, you, you're going to get it from time to time from Caleb and RJ, but it's going to be from time to time. He's still your best shooter. He still gives you the chance to be the most consistent outside threat in your backcourt. He needs to be back in some form or fashion back involved in what you're wanting to do, but that still comes within playing within the rhythm. I don't want them to be on the court and it be them forcing the issue. If the shots are there within the rhythm of the offense, take the shot. Uh-huh. But the biggest issue that you normally see in these situations when a guy comes back from injury, a guy comes back from COVID, is they force the issue, and that can take the whole game out of whack. So that's something where Hubert Davis has to kind of hamstring them. They take a bad shot or two, you got to get them out of there. Because they that has the ability to disrupt the entire rhythm and flow of what you're trying to do. 
I'm, I'm interested to see, primarily with Kerwin, how he comes back. I'm interested to see if he picks up where the progression left off, or is this him basically having to start over? Is the confidence still there shooting-wise? Is he showing those signs that we saw from him on the defensive end of the floor? That's what I'm I'm really intrigued to see for him because I agree with you. I think that he is your best perimeter shooter. I think the biggest concern right now is is you know, is he going to be in rhythm and is he a guy that you can just plug right back into the lineup and is going to be impactful. That's why I didn't mention him in that group there because you know, if he gives you something that's an added bonus. I think Caleb and RJ, they kind of have to realize going into the game, look, we don't know exactly where Kerwin's at coming off of, you know, health and safety protocols. We don't know where his stamina's at. We don't know how much, honestly, he's going to play. So we've got we, we've got to make sure that we're stepping our game up. And then with Dawson, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, I think that you saw Brady Manick had success in the starting lineup, but I'm still with you. I, I, I still think... And I think it was evident, especially in that Notre Dame game, that you did not have the spark off the bench that you need. You don't have that scoring spark. And again, maybe you can get to a point where Kerwin Walton is that guy once again for you off the bench. Maybe that does happen. But that's not that's not in this game. That's not in this game against George. You can't look at him and say that's that's our guy you know, moving forward at, for sure, we're keeping Brady Manick in the starting lineup, no questions asked the rest of the season. You're going to need to see a lot more from Kerwin Walton before you can feel confident that he can be that guy off the bench for you. So, yeah, I would agree. In this game, maybe not. we got to see where exactly Dawson is at. Has he been able to sort of keep in shape has he been doing the stuff, you know, in in terms of running, um, and 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 you know all all those those other things that you can still do on the side when he's had the concussion? Because with concussions, it's it's tricky. Mm-hmm. You sometimes are limited to what you can do. So we'll 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 see what exactly those two guys look like. And I still think there's a good chance that you could see maybe not as much as Styles. I still think you're going to see a good amount oh, of done. Oh yeah, you're still going to. But, so but you got to you got to get those two guys back involved. Oh, you do. But I'm saying I think Dunn will be involved as well. Dunn, so keep an eye on Dunn's him. Not done. Keep an eye on him. Shut up. Keep an <laughs> eye on him and his growth as well. Because yeah, as we've talked about a couple of times, the depth of this Carolina team has grown throughout the season. It's weird. Usually, it's the other way around where the depth gets cut as the season goes along. This year's team is getting deeper as the season goes along. More guys are becoming impactful for this team. And so I feel pretty confident that with these two guys coming back, there's no doubt in my mind that Carolina's got the depth advantage in a lot of games going forward, especially in this game against you know a Georgia Tech team that when Carolina played them the last time, they went seven, eight deep. 
This is not an extremely deep team. So your depth should be able to affect this game against a team that, yeah, not only is is the depth overall not great, the depth of their scoring, not great either. They're led by two guys. So if you can find a way to slow those guys down and try to find try to make somebody else beat you, I feel real confident that Carolina can get this done. You know, I do got to say I'm disappointed that I didn't hear from Dawson Garcia because um, I don't think I've ever told you this. In the same moment where I tore my ACL, because I collapsed to the floor. You know what? I, I, I suffered a concussion. How about how about this? So I was in the hospital we with both have... a knee doctor and a head doctor examining my body. And so I know what it's like. Boy, the head doctor must have had trouble finding something in there. You know, so it, 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 it tested my physical abilities to stay in shape. So how about this? So I'm supposed to take laps. Where we're supposed to take laps, I don't even know what the actual. Oh, it was going to be a what team, it is. It was going to be a team effort. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What? what we're, and we're up to fourteen of them. By yeah. The you're way. not. You're not going to take any of the laps, anyways. You're going to call out sick or something that day. <laughs> I think every time that you make up a lie about oh, your basketball career, no. you should have to do a push up. No. For that. That's not how this works. No, that that should be how it works. And it's not a lie. Because I, I literally went up for a layup, my knee collapsed, my head hit the floor. Logical conclusion, torn ACL concussion. I can't help What that. logical conclusion was that? Was that logical conclusion came to before or after you hit your head on the floor? <laughs> also, can you hit your head on the floor again multiple times? Because maybe that can knock some sense into you. I don't know. I don't know. But hopefully... Hopefully Hubert Davis got some more sense in the, in, into his Tar Heel team over the week. They enter tomorrow's matchup with a 91.6% chance to beat Georgia Tech at home. Mm. I'm going to be brutally honest. As if you're not brutally honest when you talk on the podcast anyways. If Carolina loses this game, I I may have an aneurysm when we recap the podcast after the game concludes. Will that be before or after you hit your head on the ground again? I don't know. <laughs> you had a week off. You're at home. It's a night game, so there should be a good crowd. There should be some good energy in the building. And it's go time. You've got your revised ACC schedule. What you want to accomplish is out there in front of you. Now you you still gotta you still gotta keep improving. You still gotta take steps in the right direction. But it's go time for this team in this program. I expect this team to play at a very high level, and honestly, ex- I expect to win the game rather convincingly. You went on the road and beat this team by double digits. There's no reason why you shouldn't do that at your home floor where you're undefeated this year. You haven't lost a game at home. They shouldn't lose at home tomorrow night. I got Carolina, and I got Carolina big. Yeah, well, look, yeah, they they need to come off of this ready to go because that was your last long layoff of the season. This this is now going to be pretty much you're playing every three days, every four days the rest of the season. So now is the time where you have to start getting yourself into a rhythm. As you mentioned, this team is at home. They've been a much different team at home than they've been on the road or a neutral site. And 
Yeah, I, I agree. There should be a good enough crowd for you to feed off of in this game. I think this is another one of those games where, as I mentioned, I think R.J. Davis has a bounce-back game, should have a bounce-back game. And I think Caleb Love should play well in this game again. I want to see him step up and continue to show that he knows how important he is to the success of this team and that he needs to play well. I need to see, I want to see the effort consistently. This cannot be a game where you can look at him on the court like you did it in that game against Notre Dame and tell that the effort was up and down. And, you know, you, you didn't you didn't mention it there. Put the ball inside and go to work because you can dominate this team inside that, that's easily. That's a given. If I have to state that again on the pod, if I have to publicly— Okay, well, rebounding is usually a key in every single one of the podcasts. Today, you didn't put that in there because— you got a little sensitive that I pointed out that that was in every podcast. No, that is that is n- neither. That's that's no. definitely it. Uh, and look, I mean, the last time that they played Georgia Tech, weren't a lot of rebounds available. They almost doubled them up on the glass. Georgia had Georgia Tech had nineteen rebounds the whole game. So there, there's a you, good chance Armando Baycock could out out rebound Georgia Tech by himself. He almost out rebounded Virginia the other day. Like, and I'm not even trying to be. Yeah, I, or anything look, like I that. Like we're we're at that level where he can go out there and get you twenty rebounds, twenty five rebounds by himself. I uh, see. I don't know if he's going to be in that that range again in this game. I think he could probably be around that sixteen to eighteen range again in this one. But Georgia Tech doesn't have the size to compete with you, just like me on the court. One of the things that you did against Notre Dame that I think hurt you was. You stopped going inside late in the game because you were trying to play catch-up by hitting big shots. So, yeah, this should be... I'm not going to say it's an easy game because I still still think, even though they're not a great team, I think that Georgia Tech is a scrappy team. They've given Carolina fits at times. They're a well-coached team. And in the Smith Center, they've... They've they played well. The last we saw two years ago, they bring they bring the fight there. I still think Carolina gets a double digit win in this one. I think it's similar to what we saw the first time around, um, where Carolina pulls away in that second half. And I like Carolina's uh, chances to get a big win here and, and start off uh, this this sprint to the finish here uh, with a uh, a nice victory. Uh, or there you go, guys. You got both myself and Anthony picking Carolina wins tomorrow night against Georgia Tech. That is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, you want to share the website heeltoughblog.com where the preview for the game is already up. The recap will be up as well once the game goes final. You can also go back and check out a uh, uh, an, an article outlaying the the future of Carolina's ACC schedule after the, after the league office revised it. The other day, next week, hoping to get a Bracketology article up as well to update you where Carolina is kind of sitting in all the brackets. As of this Sunday, we will be two months away from Selection Sunday. Football side of things, another transfer in the portal for Carolina football. Find out who that is, what the the impact is as well. If you missed any of the Gene Chizik stuff, all that is still up on this site as Anthony keeps you up to date on all the news and nuggets coming out on the Carolina football side of things as they are officially 
in their offseason. As for the podcast, Basketball Podcast Network, we host through Megaphone, but you can find us on every major podcast platform. Just search the Four Corners Podcast, like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast, every great interview, every great story from my legendary church basketball career right there in your podcast library. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Do want to thank Anthony again for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Char Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.